detective. Thrill me. Thanks for joining us again. Another episode. Uh, I'm excited tonight, Jared. We're, we're sans Gibbo and uh, Maddie, which mm. is disappointing. But I'm actually excited for the film. Yes. This is a personal favourite of oh, mine. Goes it goes back a long, it? long way. Uh, this you tonight's... have not stopped speaking about this film since <laughs> the year since 2000. Right, yeah. <laughs> tonight's film is a... Well, look, it straddles the line between action, but it's more of a... You'd call it a thriller, wouldn't you? Yeah, a bit of a thriller. A bit of a thriller. It's got a little action bit of action elements. here. Frequency from 2000. Mm-hmm. Now, Jared, just to um, quickly point something out, and I believe you can hear them in the background <laughs> at the moment, you pointed out that there was quite a... Quite a cricket... <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of crickets. A lot of crickets last episode. Not just from the, uh, you know, the audience. It was, based, uh, on, based on our numbers, I think we were uh, <laughs> uh, recording in front of a live studio audience, basically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think at the time, a fucking tumbleweed came through yeah, at the yeah. same time. Well, we do live in what's called the bush capital, mate, so we just, True, sometimes yeah. we have to deal with this sort of, this sort of stuff. <laughs> it's not us farting and burping. It's <laughs> animals outside. All right. Before we get into it, what have we seen? I've got a short list, but there's a couple of uh, couple in there that you might be interested to talk about. Oh, I've also got a short list. Yeah? Yeah. First one was Final Score. Ah! Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than I should have. Yeah. Look, it was fucking stupid, but yeah. it was enjoyably stupid. It was. It was very enjoyable. Um, parts of it, I felt, were superior to the sudden death. Yeah, set yeah. A couple of action sequences that were really good. And as I post to you throughout the week, mate, it's just, you know, I'm just tossing it out there. Is Batista a better actor than The Rock? Because I think he might be. I said to you that I think that The Rock has got him. I love The Rock. But it's it's close. I love The Rock, but if I'm, if I'm talking about acting chops, Batista's mixed it up quite a bit. Yeah, well, he, he has had more differing parts. Yeah, and I saw him in something like Blade Runner and was he was perfectly serviceable in a, in a dramatic kind of... Obviously, there was a little bit of punch on involving him too. You don't want to waste the, no, you don't the, want to waste the size time. of the bed, but yeah, it's yeah, it's he's. I think he's uh, he's got a case at least. Yeah, well, look, he is a handy. I I thought his performance as an everyman was was better. Mm. The Rock's everyman was skyscraper, and if. <laughs> <laughs> Just go back and have a listen to what you just said. <laughs> but it was. How ridiculous that The Rock's Everyman was, was Skyscraper. It was his attempt to do skyscra- uh, to do an Everyman, and it failed. Not that he was bad in it. He's yeah. just not an Everyman. No. Like, well, he, Batista also has the same problem. He's a fucking mountain. Yeah. I mean, my God. But they played it a little bit better. Remember the blokes calling him, yeah, get rid of the Hulk and come with us? And you know, like, that, that giant dude he takes on in the um, in the kitchen yep, has yep. got him covered. Yeah. But I just think in terms of just acting, it's a, it comes across as a little less cheesy than The Rock. Yeah. I, I love The Rock as an action action hero, but in something like, you know, in the ones that are, that are a little bit more grounded, he doesn't kind of have the realistic sort of... Batista can pull it off just a little bit better, I think. Okay, well, that's fair. Cool. Well, I'd like to hear what other people think. I can't wait for Gibbo to come in next week and tell me I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else have we seen? I saw... Final score, loved it. Pierce Brosnan, worst Russian accent in the history of the world. Pierce Brosnan might have been the worst thing in the movie, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Ray Stevens. <laughs> uh, Brosnan, mine. Brosnan was funny. He may as well not have been there. I think it was a cardboard cutout. I think he was embarrassed to be there. <laughs> 
<laughs> you shouldn't be. Hey, you shouldn't be. Was, you have got nothing to be embarrassed about, exactly. big fella. Just take it. Just roll it. I actually also got a few laughs out of the um, out of the the little comic relief corner yes, because it was yes. a bit more of the British kind of humor. Yeah, yeah. Well, that woman's calling him a terrorist. He's there going, "What you're doing is terrorism. It's emotional terrorism." <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Look, the film had its moments, and like sudden death, it understood that you couldn't take it too seriously. Yeah, and I thought Batista was good, but my only quibble with him is like The Rock. They're so big that yeah. it's like. I can't take this guy as a guy who can't handle the action. Well, Batista's so massive, his, his, his shoulders just morph into his head. There's no, <laughs> there's no room for his neck there because his muscles are so big. <laughs> Ridiculous. What um, else you got? I watched The Mummy. The Tom Cruise one? Yep. You know what? I was really... After I watched... <coughs> excuse me. After I watched it, I was a little bit disappointed because there were parts of it that showed some promise. And I think, had they not sort of, you know, put the horse before the cart, oh, sorry, the cart before the horse and, and, and gone the whole Dark Universe thing, so planning all that before you got the mummy right, I think they might have had something. Maybe they thought they got Frankenstein or uh, Dracula Unleashed right. ready to go. Yeah, but even Cruise, like, I didn't mind Cruise in the role, but the problem is... Seemingly, from what people have said, well, I'm going to pose you a question. Cruise took too much of control. Well, I'm going to pose this question to you, right? Mm-hmm. Russell Crowe, greatest actor ever. Oh, ever look, lived. look, um, Russell, and <laughs> Russell and Rock knew what it was. He, he understood yeah, that yeah. it was a little bit of ham mm-hmm. required. This is the question I'm asking. Tom Cruise has been around the industry for a long time. Yep. For, for taking away what we think of his beliefs, mm-hmm. the guy seems to be able to pick up and produce good films. He tends to know what works well, for his... Occasionally. Well, That's the problem. Even, it's even more occasionally But even, even some of the things like your, um, your Edge of Tomorrow's and that, they're still yeah. good films, the, the Oblivions. They're still good movies. But the problem is for something movies. like this, if you have but a But why vision, do you think he you took have over? A, if you have, well, because that's what he does now. I mean, there was, there was a word that he was telling... The cinematographer is using the wrong lens and all this well, sort of why, stuff. Well, why, why doesn't he take over the Mission Impossible movies? And they seem to be awesome. Well, I don't know. <laughs> is he not he taking them over I think he what? does to an extent. I think he does oh, to an extent. Is he working with someone he trusts? I, I don't... Well, I think that's probably it. But yeah. I don't know. With The Mummy now, you could, it seems like they had some stuff there. I mean, there was, there was parts with the actual Mummy where there was a few little creepy elements. The stuff with Russell Crowe, I could have copped if it was maybe lessened a little bit and kind mm. of parts of that were a little bit clumsy but Cruise as the character was good and I could <laughs> see where it ended up I could have gone with that like I could have I could have been been happy to, to see where the dark universe was going to go but unfortunately the, the, there were some parts of the movie that were just I didn't it was know just what was happening. boring it was just bored me to tears in, in a lot I'll of tell you what I think I think it's a mixture of Cruise taking over because he didn't trust whoever was directing it well, he was a, wasn't it his first movie? Yeah. He's written a bunch, but he yeah. directed it. He wrote it too, I believe. Yeah. But it was Cruise taking over and no trust, but it was also the Dark Universe was a pulled-together pile of pull. Yeah. And no one, no one knew. Everyone's going, shit, we've locked in all these great actors. Yeah. What have we got for them? Yeah. Nothing. So yeah. I think it's a double banger there. Well, they're all the Invisible Man. <laughs> do, you know, do you know that that shit still made 400 mil? Worldwide? Yeah. I'm fucking baffled. <laughs> I am baffled. <laughs> I'm baffled. 
baffled too. I don't know uh, how. It was a shame. I mean, then again, I've been talking, we've been talking about big money for months. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm still baffled about that. Yeah, true. All right, um, what else? Finally yeah. saw Overlord. Fucking awesome. I really liked it. Yeah. Liked it a lot. Yeah. It's just kind of, you know, it's a bit of an action and a bit of a horror element set in World War Two. Yeah, fucking really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'd heard some good buzz about it. I actually saw the preview in cinemas and parts of it I was like, that that looks interesting, but I don't I didn't really get a sense of what it was about. Yeah. So and and it came and went in the blink of an eye here. So yeah, finally came out on Blu-ray, so I picked it up straight away and yeah. Enjoyed it. Good choice. Really, really happy with that one. Good. The Equalizer 2. Oh. Finally got on that. It's another kind of run of the mill sort of story and predictable. Like as I said, said to you, you know, where it ends up was where I thought it was exactly going to, you know, where it was going to go when I met all the characters and whatever. Yeah. But Denzel is just so watchable. He just elevates, he just elevates this stuff. Yeah. If there's an Equalizer 3, I'm there tomorrow. Oh, like, of course. It's, uh, you know, that scene where he's telling the, the kid to fucking, you know, you're wasting your life, you get, get your shit together. I'm sitting there going, get your life together, man. Come on. Like, I was up. I was ready to go. Denzel told you to get your life together. You oh, yeah. tell you. Uh, I'd be there. Um, the last one I watched was The Dirt, the oh. Motley Crue. Um, I have read the book. Movie. I have not seen the film. Yeah, look, I read the book too. Um, and I heard the film was not good. Well, I guess the problem is, I mean, for me, The Dirt was an entertaining read, but I barely respected any of those blokes after reading it. No. And and so when you watch the movie and they're trying to make it this kind of, you know, there's parts of it where obviously, you know, you've got to hit your rock bottoms and come to the emotional sort of comebacks and whatever. But I've got very little time for all of those blokes. Probably Mick Mars is the only one that I think seems semi-normal and... The other guys, <clears throat> some of the behaviour in the movies, like, why are you lionising it? They're, they're scum. Um, the, the saddest part in the whole thing was obviously, you know, if you've seen it, what happens with Vince Neil's daughter and that sort of thing. Yeah. But everything else in the movie was stuff that was kind of in their control and in their... And, and there was stuff left out of the movie that made them look worse too, like yeah. some of the shit that they were doing on tour. And I don't know. I read an article on The Ringer that summed it up for me. I read that article too. Um, he kind of nailed it. He <clears> basically <throat> said, I mean, the, the musical content... Was was okay at times, but their behaviour and shit like that. He he summed it up when he said that for me, he said the dirt the dirt is a is is a really good read if you kind of hate the band hmm. because you, you can't really respect what they what they do. I think them. for me the dirt you respect the work and that sort of thing, but that doesn't make the entertaining movie. But the dirt was good for me because it had so many different points of view. Yeah, which they do happened. in the which they they try to do in the movie, yeah. but. Do I feel it was needed to be in film? Probably not. No. And secondly, I, I, I made this call, I, I, I said this to you years ago about these guys. Their music was average. Like, they had a couple of good songs. You know, I'm partial to a home sweet home. Yep. But I wouldn't have called them anything special that came out of the 1980s. And what they were doing was cliche. It's yeah. the rock and roll, you know, the rock and roll party lifestyle. It's not like this shit hadn't been done before. Mm. You know, well, yeah, well, again, I said it last week. If you haven't got a cocksucker blues in your bloody rhythm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you can forget it. Yeah, that was uh, happening back in the 60s. Going to go, uh, go and chat to Mick and Keith Richards. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The difference was they kept that under wraps because their music did the, did the selling. Admittedly. Yeah. I think this, this, is what, this is what it comes to. I think the only, the only, 
interest Motley Crue can garner now is from is from from talking about that shit and championing that shit. Well, and why do you like, think well, the, the book's called the most notorious? You know, stories in the most notorious band. Exactly, and the, I think the thing is the notoriety others, is the bit that other bands did that. Other bands had those stories. Other bands did, but they didn't write a book about them because they, their records were still selling. That's the sense I get. Yeah, myself, but. Um, you know, I respect it. I respect the hard work that they put in to get where they got to, but I just I didn't make a good movie. Yeah, that was uh, pretty oh, much look, it. Mate. My wife saw the trailer and thought, "Oh, this looks all right." And I said, "Listen, I said I've read the book, and I don't think this is your bag." <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> Sorry to so. tell you. Yeah, and I believe it starts in a very untidy. It starts with a story in there, the Bullwinkle story, I think it was called. It was oh, in the book. It's all yeah. Look. It's all throughout. It's all just, you know, sexual conquests yeah. and, um, you know, the shit that they were doing with Ozzy Osbourne and stuff like that. Like, it's... I mean, look, I, I never mean, like... there, Look, there's, there's stuff that they did with Ozzy Osbourne. If that's what you've got to do to keep your notoriety, you probably shouldn't have had it in the first place, you know? I mean, I've never laughed so hard in that Ozzy Osbourne doco when... Tommy Lee tells that story about him licking up his own piss and then coming back into his... Try to get him back into the hotel room and then pooping on the floor and wiping it all over the wall. Right, well, but, you're going to love the dirt. Then. You should but watch just, it straight away. Not, not the context, not, not the actual behaviour, but the way it was told. Like, Tommy Lee was just thinking, oh, my God, am I going to have yeah. to get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing. That that says it all, doesn't it? That the, the, the one of the, the most sort of debaucherous bloody moments in their book mm. is what Ozzy Osbourne was doing. But Ozzy Osbourne hasn't written a book about all the other shit that he was yeah. doing. and he was Because Tommy Lee basically said, we, we couldn't hang with this guy. We didn't <laughs> yeah. want to do that stuff. Like, yeah, that's right. So that's why I mean that they're a cliche. That, that it, felt, it feels like they kind of picked up all the, okay, we need to do this stuff to be famous. Mm. You know, it's part of our fame. Yep. And infamy is what they were after. And, of course, because those guys are producers, the, the stuff is glossed over. Like, the fact that Vince Neil spent a, m- a month in prison for drink driving and killing his mate. The fact that, you know, Tommy Lee had the bloody assault charges. He, he hits the woman in, in, in the dirt at one point, hmm. but they kind of try to justify it with her behaviour and they and they sort of don't even mention Pamela Anderson, who also accused him of that sort of stuff. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not interested in a movie celebrating that shit. So. Yeah. Yeah, it just to me it didn't make it. Uh, it didn't make for for something that I could sit there and you know fist pump. Yeah, they're back. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Mm, fair enough. All right, is that all? Everything? Yeah, that was it for me. All right, I punched out leaving Neverland. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh look, I thought it was a really really well done documentary. It's difficult because. There's all this conflicting information, mm. and there's no absolute one hundred percent that says it was done. Yeah, but the, the the stories that both people told were eerily similar. Yeah, and it's hard um, to overlook yeah. the amount of people that. Yep, and th- all the way no the, the the parents were kind of separated from them and all that stuff. It, it just yeah, it, look, it was it was a really well made documentary, but it certainly wasn't something I'd like to revisit. No. Uh, I also watched the first episode of the uh, Maddie McCann doco on Netflix. Right. That was okay. It's eight episodes, though. Is it? I didn't realise it was so long. Shit. I'm starting... Because they covered a fair bit of ground in the first episode. I'm thinking, Mm. you know... Where do we go? 
There must be a lot more to it, but it look, it was really well made, like Netflix always do, but I'll have to wait and see on the second episode. And the only other thing I watched is I jumped on Stan and I found the Masters of Horror. Yeah. And yeah. I watched the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Whose were they? First one was Don Coscarelli. Yep. And the second one was um, Stuart Gordon. Mm-hmm. They were both okay. You can see the budgetary constraints yep. of it, but they were both pretty good. Stories were okay. Um, I'll be interested to see some of the better, like I hear some of the better ones like John Carpenter and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll see how those go. But that was it. Lean week. Lean week. Lean week. You really wallowed in the, in the brutal life stuff. That yeah. You don't particularly want to be hanging around too much. Yeah, look, I only watched, I watched Never, Neverland because you had said, yeah. Yeah, it was there, worthwhile. It's out, yeah. have a look at it. I don't want to wallow in our killy in no, any way. No, no. <laughs> Give yourself a wide duck on that one too. Uh, just before we go on to the to the film, Stranger Things trailer. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. It I was mean, awesome. It looks just great. after we bagged Motley Crue. Yeah, I know. But right <laughs> it's a great song. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, sorry. It's a good. Song. It's a good song. Yeah. But the trailer looks great. It looks like it's really sort of hitting that coming of age, you know, endless summer type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It looks really, really good. Yep. I hope that they are taking it back to, like, I felt the second season was a little bit repetitive and covered similar ground that the first one did, Mm -hmm. using slightly different bits, you know. But, yeah, you sort of look at them and you say, well, that's the same as that bit in the first Series, yeah. So I'm hoping that they get off to it. They get out to a fresh, like fresh material. Mm. Really take it out there. It's going to be difficult in some ways because you're sticking with the same crew. I'm just hoping they develop. The, you know, the characters have yeah moved give, on a little bit. And you've give got me the character development because that's what makes it so great. Yeah, you got the new kind of relationships going through. I like how Steve and Dustin seem to. You know, they seem to yeah. be going to be developed there. Yeah. Little kind of bromance thing going on. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. All right. Let's take a break. Here's the trailer for 2000's Frequency. Once in a decade, massive solar storms invade our atmosphere, disrupting global communications. John, it's your dad's old ham radio. Go over to the den, huh? Plug it in. And causing unexplained phenomena. W2QYD. This is Frank Sullivan. <clears throat> Hello? What'd you say your name was? Frank. Frank Sullivan. Is this some kind of joke? That will allow John Sullivan to talk to his father. What do you say we tame this Bronco, huh? You and me. Spared guts. Who's been dead for 30 years. Well, how could it be? I don't know. But we gotta be talking off the mother sunspot of all time. I've missed you so much. Well, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your life. I'm a cop. <laughs> You're third generation firefighter. Come on, I thought you were gonna grow out of that cop phase. What's going on, Satch? Frank says that he's talking to Johnny on the radio in the future. Now, hey, little chief. There's somebody I want you to talk to. Good night, John. <laughs> <laughs> Good night there, chief. Chief. Oh my God. Hello. Something's wrong. Something we did changed the past. Something happened to mom. Your mother what? No. She was murdered. We gotta do something. 
try to stop this guy. I may not know who he is, but I know where he's going to be and what he's going to do before he gets there. Do I call the police? They're not going to believe me. You got his prints. I want you to hide that wallet. Somewhere where nobody's going to find it for the next 30 years. The window seat in the dining room. It's in! I got it! something I can believe. Well, you gotta catch him in the act. And you can make that happen, Dad. I'm not a cop. I'm a firefighter. We can do it together. Remember spirit and guts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you, son. I love you too, Dad. Frequency from 2000. Directed by Gregory Hoblet, who directed Fallen, another film that we're huge fans of. Mm-hmm. And two episodes of Cop Rock. <laughs> you really fucking... You really got bottom of the barrel there. Yes, that was in his deep, dark past, but let's not forget he's done some you know other what? stuff since then. That's some of his best work. <laughs> Get on YouTube and check it out. Yeah, let's be careful out there. <laughs> I'm going to put that fucking clip on Facebook. I'm telling you now. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Yeah. We uh, got a 187 at the 7 <laughs> Classic. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's produced by Gregory Hoblet, Toby Emmerich, Bill Carraro, who was uh, producing Blade Runner 2049, and Hawk Koch, great name, who produced Source Code, and it was written by Toby Emmerich. Mm. It stars Dennis Quaid as Frank Sullivan, Jim Caviezel as John Sullivan, Elizabeth Mitchell as Julia Sullivan, and Andre Brow as Satch Dillon. Budget was $31 million. Box office was 68 worldwide. Mm. Now, let me just take a breath. Not enough. Not enough at all. Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, Michael Keaton, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Robin Williams, Kurt Russell, Kevin Costner, Patrick Swayze, Ed Harris, <laughs> Bill Paxton, Liam Nathan, Rod Perlman, <laughs> Stephen Lack. <laughs> Michael Byrne, Alec Baldwin, Kevin Bacon, John Travolta, John Malkovich, James Woods, Willem Dafoe, Gary Sinise, Tommy Lee Jones, Jeff Bridges, Christopher Lambert, Rutger Hauer, and Michael Nori were considered to play Frank Sullivan. That's everyone in Hollywood. Party again. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, little chief. <laughs> yeah, um... Poor old Dennis Clay. <laughs> cannot get nah, across, can I can't believe that. <laughs> that was what he gave me. That sounds like BS. Are you telling me that D. Quaid's that far down the list behind Nori? Who the fuck's Michael Nori? <laughs> Mate, Actually, no, I know who Michael Nori is, isn't he? In the hidden. That is just a list of almost every male actor in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you something, mate. Look, I'm not going to lie to you, he's probably behind a few of them. <laughs> No, no, I'm well, going to get a few of them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, why, why was Robin Williams on the list? This wasn't his kind of role, was it? Oh, probably not. Okay. But, um, now, look, now that you look at the box office figures, that's why everyone else is ahead of him. Yeah, Except true. for Michael Dory. Who's Michael Dory? <laughs> well, he had a hit with the hidden. <laughs> I'm telling you, mate. I love that movie. And Norrie's a big oh, part of it. Jesus. Okay, your thoughts, mate. Come on. Okay. So, much like your Thomas Jane was the actor of the 2000s, there was a stretch of time where I thought Gregory Hoblet might have been the best director on the planet, too. <laughs> Why are we laughing? Why are we laughing? Primal Fear, Fallen, Frequency, and Heart's War, all in succession. 
Mate, that is a rock-solid resume. That is it as is. good a resume as you'll see. So that they are really all really good movies. He hasn't really directed a movie since, for like 10 to 15 years. No, he's probably been working on a cop rock revival. Yeah, he might have, I don't know, maybe he snuck into the production on Viva Lachlan or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, the premise is just stone-cold killer premise. Yeah. Like, it's, it's such an awesome idea and... They wisely don't go too deep into the science of anything. No. They just say this this has happened and and you know, make a small link to the to the Northern Lights. But you know and what? they just move on. They could have done without the Northern Lights. I wouldn't well, have that's cared. The thing. I don't I don't really care. That's that's mm. that that to me has little bearing on the narrative. Yeah. And they knew this and they just produced a, a heck of a good movie. Like mm. it's it's um, the idea is really good, but the way they kind of tease it out yeah. and, and go through the process of it, it's actually really fun. And a yeah. lot of the a lot of the scenes are just lengthy, kind of, you know, Caviezel and and Dennis Quaid connecting. Yeah. But you're all in. You're all in for it. I I think it's like when we before we were going to watch it, I thought it was going to be similar to Fallen, where I can see Fallen's warts, but I fucking love the movie, mm. and I thought this was going to be similar. But, I mean, I look at it and I still can't give it less than a four. Like, I think it's the absolute gem. I'm all for that. Four yeah. out of five, for sure. It delicately balances the time travel. Yep. The the serial killer and the, the dramatic relationship between the father and son. Yeah. Really, really well. And it's a really good idea of, like, a really good example of... Um, it's the suspension of disbelief, obviously... But with this one, you're already going to a movie where you understand the premise is something that you just just couldn't happen. Mm. So you've accepted that that you're going to go and watch this. Where you know the narrative is is this. This is going to happen. You can't get too deep into the into the um, ins and outs of why it's happening. So you just go along for the ride, the the roller coaster of the story, and that works an absolute treat. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. I think it's a fantastic film. It has a couple of. Like, watching it again, I saw a couple of little things that, you know, I looked at again and thought, eh, you know, that didn't really work as well mm. as I thought. But for the most part, this is actually more about the father-son yeah. connection. Yeah, that is. is the key piece. And without yep. two really good actors doing that, mm. it would have been a bit of a shit fest. I mean, not a shit fest, but it would have been less successful in terms of the quality of what you got if yep. you put in sort of... Let me just look at a couple of names. <laughs> you know, you're putting a, a Schwarzenegger or a, you know, Ron Perlman or something in there. Yeah. Not, And that's no disrespect to them as actors, but the simple fact is you needed a really good, I think a real working class type of guy in the Frank Sullivan role. Mm. And that's kind of what you got. Yep. Um, because he is my opening like. Right. Dennis Quaid is as underrated an actor as his brother is a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah, well, Matty was, uh, was saying to me, he was just disappointed because he thought we were watching a Randy Clay movie and that's why he's not here. Unfortunately, <laughs> watching a Randy... It was an alien abduction film. Yeah, well, unfortunately, watching a Randy Clay movie these days involves watching sex tapes, so no one's interested Does in that. Does <laughs> it? Shit, so he's got one too. Um, but, yeah, it's... The, both of them. Jim Caviezel's. His name's not on that list. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> he might be 
Kimberly Blackball back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look. Jim Caviezel was similar. Like, yeah, he, I looked at his resume on IMDb after, you know, when we, were, when we were going through this, and I thought, fuck, he hasn't done much lately. He's been no. sort of just in lower tier stuff, but he's another very, very solid actor. Yeah. Um, what has he been doing? I don't know. He had but, a TV show for a while. Yeah. I, I can't explain it. I think, I think he, the last one that I really remember him from was Escape Plan. Oh yeah, but he's done like he's done stuff since then. But he's kind of been on the periphery. For I, I I forgot he was in Escape Plan. The one that I remember him last from was Deja Vu. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, you're right. They, they you kind of had to buy that they were just normal. Yeah, like a, a really sort firefighter of, and cop. Like you yeah, just kinda, you, you had to kind of believe it. Blue collar guys. I mean, you can see why Andy turned it down. <laughs> he, you can't believe that. Yeah. No. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> I, couldn't and, I mean, I'm, I'm scratching my head to what I can believe that yeah. has Arnie in it, but yeah, like look again, we love Arnie. He's got his place, but it's probably not in a movie like this. No, no, it's not. And it's always good to see Andre Brower. Always good, mate. I was, I was like, I've been a long time fan of Brower. Yeah, he's just. Uh, I always thought he was just a rock solid actor, and. Raymond Holt has just taken that to a whole new level, <laughs> a whole new level of love. But prior to that, I was always happy to see him in a movie because yes. I, I enjoyed his work as an actor. Mm. So to see him in something like this, it was just, yeah, it was nice to uh, And look, he's revisit. not playing anything too far outside because I think at that time he was in um, Homicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Homicide. <clears throat> so, you know, he, can, he wasn't too far outside that ed- in this role. Yeah. But I just think he's always good. He's always watchable. Yeah, you know? yeah. I actually, my biggest like is, so you've gone into the leads that we sort of talked about. My biggest like is the premise. Yeah. It's such a, such a rock solid idea of like, so, so as I said, you get past the whole science of you're talking to your father on his ham radio 30 years, you know, apart. And of course, everyone would do exactly what he did. You know, you, you went the wrong way. Yeah. But then to attach that to, okay, you've kind of caused a ripple kind of butterfly effect type scenario. Yeah. When you survive, you did something else. You did something else him. and now your mum's Yeah, the but it affected, my fa- it affected our family again. Yeah, yeah. So the, 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 the setup is just a, a cracker. Like mm. That whole premise is so strong that it, it basically carries the entire film from that, that little idea. They just kind of branch out from that and it's... Yeah, yeah and the warts aren't as big... Because the premise is such an interesting idea. Mm. And, you know, like any good film, you ask yourself those questions. If yeah, you were talking you to do? your father who was dead, would you tell him? Yeah. That he, it, how he died? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, it still baffles me that it didn't gain more traction when it did because I remember something like Looper. Yeah. And everyone was talking about Looper basically for the idea. Yeah. Yeah, they were talking about, you know, Bruce Willis and... Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing the same person and so using the prosthetics, which was a, a point of interest as well. But everyone was like, the idea. Yeah. It's like, I'm sitting here going, this like is, this yeah, yeah, this like is frequency, a similar you know? idea, yeah. It's, it's very kind of similar. Like, it's it's got those kind of bridging the time travel and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it still kind of baffles me. But but going on from, from the premise, it's the way that they use things, for example, like baseball. Yeah. So the I baseball love that. is I the that hobby. Stuff was great. Yeah, the baseball is the hobby, the father son, the connection, whatever. And of course, when they start talking, it naturally just flows out. 
you can believe that the first thing that Dennis Quaid would say to someone he's talking to on a ham radio is how about the baseball? Because yeah. prior to that, all we've seen is baseball, yeah, playing with the yeah. blood of amazing Mets. But I um, love the way it also ties back into how Brower realises that it's well, that's the, thing. the truth. That's how everyone does. It's yeah. how it's how Caviezel convinces him that, yeah, I'm your son 30 years in the future. It's how Brower realises yeah. this is he's legit. He's telling the truth. It's all legit. Yeah. It's really it's really quite quite a strong little little device that they use to yeah. get, get all that out there. Exactly. I think the opening scenes in the 60s that set that scene about the Sullivan family, it's a really, really good way to start because mm-hmm. it showcases that they're a blue-collar family. He's a fireman. You see the ham radio. You see the connection between him and his son. You see the fact that she's a nurse. Mm-hmm. You hear on the radio the Nightingale murderer, yeah, yeah. but it's only briefly you see in the there. lights on the TV yeah, and stuff. Yeah, lights. It's all done in about six or seven minutes. Yeah. It, it kind of encompasses the whole yeah. Frank Sullivan and the family. Really strong setup. I'm glad they were vague on the signs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I had a couple of questions. Keep the signs to a bit of them. Yeah, I was sitting there thinking, fuck, how long does this uh, phenomenon last? Because they've been talking for a couple of days yeah. now at least. And, but it was just good that they just put a couple of things out there. Like, you know, when they're talking about string theory and they have that professor, yeah. he's legitimately, he's a legitimate yeah, physicist yeah. that, you know, that's kind of nice little sort of touch to have a cameo of that. Doesn't add any sort nah. of strength to how we're going to unravel this, but it's basically just something there to say, this is what's happened. Bang! Let's just move on into the, you know, yeah. into the narrative of them talking to themselves, talking to each other over over that span of 30, 30 years. But yeah, I was totally fine with the way they handled that. I'm fine with not going into that. Yeah, yeah. No need to discuss how. Just it's happening, you know, and yeah. something's going on. The ham radio is just. It's something different. It's quirky, you know. Even in 2000, which would have been pretty much not quite pre-mobiles, but, you know, we weren't exactly walking around with mobiles. Like, not, Everyone had a mobile, but that was clunky, those clunky little yeah, ones. Yeah. 5110. Yeah, I had, yeah, I had some stupid Motorola thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were built for, um, yeah, they, they, were, they were not built for to look cool. No, no, but you could drop the thing as, you know, as oh, yeah. many times as you want, unlike the iPhones. These and days. the number of games of Snake I played on the toilet. <laughs> I have not been able to count. Um, but it's such a quirky little device. And yeah. people still, they're a ham radio enthusiast. You know, it's mm. a niche market. But the idea was really cool. Yeah. Because you didn't know who he was. Like, you can understand that Caviezel would have the conversation starter with him. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't think it's his father. Yeah, He just yeah. thinks it's some guy who's a ham radio enthusiast. The, talking the other thing, too, is um, the kid. It was That was Michael Sarah, wasn't it? Yeah, the kid, yeah. The kid, what he did, I, mass, I connected with that massively. The amount of times I went into my parents' kind of closets at home looking for something... And came across an old bloody record player or an old yeah something like exactly what he did. Oh, can we open it? And they find the ham radio. I mean, shit, I remember dragging out a projector or something that my parents had in the cupboard <laughs> thinking, oh, I might, you know, just put this stuff on and then, you know, trying to make it work and didn't have the things connected properly so it wasn't spooling. So the fucking film just started to melt. So I quickly <laughs> just uh, packed it all back up and <laughs> put it back in the cupboard. <laughs> 
<laughs> What's that smell of smoke? Oh, nothing. Uh, I don't know. He didn't have any, have, have any um, you know, um, treasured memories stored on uh, on film anyway. Yeah. Did you guys used to take film back in the day? Well, was any of it needed? Because <laughs> anything uh, important on Why that? you ask? I have no reason. Yeah, no, but like... Exactly what that kid did. I've done that with a bunch of stuff when, you know, and, and with friends at, you know, their places, we find some old video game machine or something. You'd just do that shit. You'd set it up and have a look at it. And yeah, so and it was, it, it, felt, it just it felt, felt more real, natural, yeah. even though it was, it was a very kind of, oh, you know, go to the closet and get this or whatever. The actual act of the kid finding that thing and wanting to open it and whatever felt natural. Yeah, it felt to me. real. Yeah. I, for me personally, the fact that, because ultimately it could have basically been a a drama, mm. but the the serial killer bit for me is the best bit. Yeah, it it and it it's so well weaved in there. Yeah, initially I was looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, I wish they kind of had to put a bit of who done it into the Nightingale, but then when they got into it, I was like, nah, they they made the right choice. Yeah. Just to kind of, that we know who it is pretty That was early. kind of, not a dislike, but I sort of had that in my dislikes because I was like, there's no real effort put into making it a whodunit. Well, that's the thing. But, I felt like... But I kind of looked at it and like you, I felt there was no room. Yeah, I mean, well, you that's had so exactly much right. stuff that you're dealing with. if they had gone the whodunit, I think that would have ended up being the entire movie. All through to the third act would have been the uncovering of who it was. Yeah. Instead, they chose to do that really early and focus on the... Here's, here's where he's going to be. Here, how do we stop him? Oh, you've got, you know, you, you're working out little bits and pieces and then figuring out how to get them to each other over time. And yeah. how to, the, the way that they did it made Caviezel still really active in the story hmm. rather than just saying, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. It was kind of like whatever Quaid did affected something in the future that then gave Caviezel something to work with and yeah. went like. I think they'd probably, as you said, there, there may not have been room to, to fit the mystery element into it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that they they just went one. And basically, other. you know, within the first 15 minutes, who did it? Yeah, and it's, yeah, but, you get. But again, looking back, they they don't really present any other options. No, they don't present you any other options. No, and that, that's the thing. I, Watching it this time around... I think there's one like, other option, but he's in it for like two minutes. Yeah, yeah, and that was the thing. I, like This time around, I watched it and I was like, that was definitely a choice to, to avoid that, and I think they, they did the right thing in, the, in yeah. the scheme of things. And I really love the fact that when he survives, his actions that night change everything, everything yeah. and then she's then murdered... As part of the Nightingale. Yes. Like, I just thought that was such a cool, clever idea. Of course, you know, had she not been, it would have probably changed things dramatically about how the story went. Mm. But I just felt it really worked. And I just, I love the way they actually did it. Yeah. And I, like, I, don't, I didn't remember this from the last time I watched it, but, you know, getting into the spoilery parts of it, I'd completely forgotten that his mum actually saves the killer. Yeah, yeah. And it's because Quaid is there. Yeah. Instead of doing what she was doing, Quaid's just like caught up in all this and goes to see her at the hospital and then so she's she wouldn't have him. been in the hospital so that she, they would have given him the double dose and he would have died. Well she turns around and yeah. sees the doctor giving the guy the dose of something that's gonna poison the patient yeah. by mixing with something else and the patient is the nightingale and it's like 
wow, I somehow missed that the first yeah. time. It's the whole chain reaction thing that, you know, if Quaid's not there, she's still on the bench that she was at the bed that she was on with the patient she was on before. Yeah. She doesn't talk to Quaid, then turn around and see the doctor. But she also gets she they said it they say at one point they went and got you after he died. Yeah. So she leaves the hospital exactly. early that night. That's right. And it's all I mean, it's all very convenient. Yeah. But I mean, that's what we're here for. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, part this, of the story. This whole sort of chain reaction that it sets off was really... I really liked the way that it all worked out. I really liked the fact that, unlike a lot of these sort of time travel films, when he realises he's talking to Frank, he immediately starts trying to explain to him, mm. this is who I am, you know, my name is John Francis Sullivan... I am, you know, at this house and this address. Like, he actually explains to him where he is and everything. Yeah. And Quaid understands that they quickly dispense with that whole, oh, no, it couldn't be. Yeah, yeah, you know, that works real quickly, quickly with the baseball. Get through and the, it yeah. Because it would have slowed things down and it would have added. Yeah. They would have taken, had to taken more things out because the thing was so, it was kind of like a, I guess you'd call it plot-wise. It was a bit of a house of cards. Mm. You had to be careful. Yeah, you took the wrong card out. That's the end of it. But I think that they wisely condensed that into like two scenes. Yeah, and then suddenly they're on board. Yep, and had they had that fantastic scene where they just sit up and talk to each other. Yeah, across, yeah, and it, and it cuts that. through, and they're discussing everything. And in those moments, they throw a couple of little nuggets about each person. Yep. And it's really, really well done. Yeah, I was a big fan of the way that that all sort of panned out. I also enjoyed the parts of, you know, the way he drops the cigarette on the table and it starts to burn. Yeah. And, you know, Frank, uh, sorry, um, she was, what's Caviezel's name? John. I know. Um, is it John? Yeah, John. Yeah, so he, he remembers, well, he obviously knows that his dad's smoking or whatever and he says to him, you know, it's just, it's on top of on top of the things that they already have. Just something like, oh, you just dropped your cigarette on the table. I yeah. can see it. You know, like stuff like that really, really kind of... It helps to get just, the, the point across and quickly. Yeah. And it's just, you know, that was a very visual way of doing it as well. Like that gave me a chance to explore the special effects a little bit, which thankfully they didn't go too deep into because that didn't look all no, that they great didn't look most of the time. No. Yeah. I just, I just enjoyed the whole sort of package that they put together of how to get through these issues. and Well... Like any good time travel film, some effort and some some work went into trying to find those little plot holes and, yep. and fill them. Yep. They're, they're still holes. I'm not yeah. saying that they're not, but like a good good time travel film will try and work it so you don't see them. You don't, yeah, yeah. You don't realise it. I really like the intercutting him taking the other way out of the Buxton fire with... The new memories. Yeah, yeah, coming together and dropping the yep. glass. And and, then he re- and, and the mum's still in all those, yep. those memories because he hasn't gone to see her yet. Mm. I thought all that was great. You know, once again, it gave you, oh, everyone's alive. The family's all right. Yeah. And then suddenly we twist again. Yep. Mum's mum's gone. I actually really liked that uh, when they find the body, that it's the first one. Yeah. Because that's what kind of sets in motion the fact that Caviezel's kind of active as a protagonist as yeah. well. Like he's got a, he's got something to do that kind of narrows the field a little bit while he's directing Dennis Quaid. He's directing him around to find yeah. the guy. Yeah. 
they're both sort of working on it simultaneously rather than just saying this is what you need to do and then spending all our time with Frank. Yeah. They're both on it. They're both constantly going. They've both, both got something to do, which is a, it strengthens it all. Like yeah. showing, the, showing the back and forth between what you did helped me to realize this and figure this out. And the, I think the, 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 first, the first victim kind of gets that rolling because otherwise we would have had to wait for Frank to kind of go through his motions to get back to... But also, I love the fact they bring that dead body in in the first 10 minutes before mm. we really know the Nightingale's history. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly it starts to unravel. Well, it's it's part of the yeah. introduction to it exactly. all, Exactly. Right? It's, it's, it's really, really well done in that respect. It's just cool to have kind of like a police investigation across 30 years. Yeah. Like, it's just really cool the way they actually do it. Because they don't take too many missteps, as you say. Caviezel's actually involved. Mm. You know, he's starting to reinvigorate the case. Mm. You know? Um, and I love the fact that they intervene and and they that girl disappears out of yeah, the files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a dislike to the whole thing, but overall I felt that it was it was quite strong. Yep. I did I really thought there was a, a once again another really sort of sweet sort of scene where young John Oh, John talks to his mum mm. when she's still alive and yeah, young yeah, John's yeah. there. Yep. I thought that stuff, again, it's only a two-minute sequence, but, again, it just adds another layer and another sense of emotional resonance, you know. Yeah, and they give a light little bit of that kind of Back to the Future 2 stuff when he's yeah. talking to Gordo. Yeah, about and he's yeah, like, Yahoo. Yahoo, write it down. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. The Kaleidoscope Club. A lot of people are smoking pot in there. Yeah, yeah. Kicking back, having a good time. Look, no, yeah. no, 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 I'll tell you why Frank failed his mission that night. He was high. Yeah, high as a kite. <laughs> Either pot or LSD. Quite frankly, it looked like something out of Austin Powers. It was all the giant flowers on the wall. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, God. It I'm expecting to see some dude come out in the bloody, you know, velour top and start going, yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> One of my personal favourite bits was the fingerprint on the wallet. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. That was really clever. Because I would never have even thought of it. It was kind of a smart little way to, to you know, Basically bridge identify. the timelines again and start, start working the case and all that sort of stuff. A couple of question marks on, you know, the Nightingale's a policeman. But the, the, I guess the good thing is he got the timeline back then 30 years later, you got the different different technologies and stuff. I, I thought maybe they could have gone with something that would have explored that a little bit more. Yeah. Rather than just, you know, got your fingerprints because the got Nightingale obviously being a cop probably would have known that, but he still yeah. rifled through his wallet anyway and then left the wallet and whatever. But I did think that sort of stuff was was one of the strengths, strengths of the movie. Like, how am I going to get this to you over a 30-year time guess- span without it being... Without someone finding it in the house yeah. and chucking it out or, yeah. you know... I mean, what I liked about that, though, and I, and I appreciate what you're saying about he would have known, he would have put his fingers on it, wouldn't have put his fingers on it, but in a sense it was just for their, for their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, because nobody's asking, the police were asking, where'd you get this? Oh, I got it off a wallet from 30 years ago. No, 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 but what I mean is, is yeah, perhaps something technologically known. I'm a cop, I know what they do here. Just Maybe leave I'll just his wallet. take his wallet. Yeah. Or, or take the it, it, Minor quibble. Very minor quibble. Yeah. It was a cool sequence, but I agree. Yeah. Some te- technological advancement or something. Yeah. DNA. Something DNA or something like that might have been there. Because 
Frank wouldn't have known about that, but he would have had he could have had something that Caviezel goes, I can get the DNA or something like yeah. that. You know, like I said, minor quibble. I'm not too worried about that sort of stuff because I liked the device of I've got something now. Let's get it to you. And he kind of, you know, he has to bury it under somewhere that someone's not just going to, you know, well, what's this doing? And toss it out or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. It was important that Frank had to be arrested mm-hmm. to bring the package together. You had to bring everyone together into the police station. Yeah. Satch, the cop, him. Yep. Satch's belief that, you know, basically I've had your, your, your license under a dead dead girl. Yeah. You know, and then and he explains to Satch, you know, I'm talking to my son. Mm. Um, you know, all that stuff goes on. It's all part of the bringing it all together. And yep. I think it's a good way of doing it. Plus, I kind of dug his escape. <laughs> Did you? I don't really know the... The ins and outs? The ins and outs, but it seemed cool. If it was me, I'd have thrown that wire and missed. Now, what I would have done would have been, I would have picked up a cup and gone, <laughs> and thrown it in his face, yeah. and then tried to step around him. <laughs> or I'd have gone, cop this, and then, oh, shit, got myself, and, yeah. <laughs> and it leads to the ending, which I initially remember the ending being a little weak. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was actually really cool. The fact that they're both... He's attacking them both 30 years apart. Yep. And I really liked the bit where he gets shot in the hand. Yeah. And then his his counterpart from 30 years later's hand goes... Yeah, that sort of 30-second stretch was pretty good. And then the whole house changes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, I thought that 30-second stretch was really strong. I, I love the idea, like... I know some people didn't like it. Felt it was kind of a bit contrived and whatever. But I'm like, where else were you gonna go? Yeah, like, yeah. You had the whole timeline thing, and they both trying to work to solve it over the over. It's about to converge. Basically. Yeah. To the fact that they're both doing it at the same time was a really solid idea. Having the back and forth, I actually thought they would do more of the, you know, him getting hit or something in the previous timeline, and the way you know his face gets scratched yeah. and then the scars show up, yeah. and then. You know, the, the, obviously the hand. I thought they might have even gone for a little bit more of that, but yeah. the whole idea of that, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, a, it's just, it's just a solid way to wrap it all up. I thought. Yeah. And the final thing for me, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks couldn't couldn't wrap up a movie. Oh, you couldn't wrap up any better. <laughs> Garth, note to Garth. Get yourself on Spotify, motherfucker, because quite frankly, your streaming service is bullshit, uh, my friend. No, uh, no, Ghost Tunes is dead. Okay. He's a ghost. But well, he's on Amazon you. Music now. Yeah, but his whole collection is no, not there. Music. It is, but you got to pay for the pay for the Amazon Premium Music. No one's doing that. It's got to be on si- Apple or Spotify. Can't Come I pay and- 60 bucks for the whole Apple... And the Amazon sort of package and get their no, get no, Amazon no. Prime no, back no, and then no, get the Amazon music that you get on Amazon Prime is what has a couple of Garth Brooks songs and <laughs> this is bullshit, Garth. Honestly, Brooks, you are testing my nerves, mate. Yeah. You are testing me. Yeah, so now the only the only way you're gonna get my attention is on the credits of a of a frequency film, basically. <laughs> That's it. Do I have to start a petition? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. do I have to? A couple of strongly worded emails. And <laughs> I want to go I'm right... I'm sure we'll listen. <laughs> I want to go straight to the horse's mouth, mate, because you know why? I'm a fan of the bloke. I'm sure Garth would be sitting there going, sorry, I can't hear you from up here on top of my pile of cash. <laughs> but that cash is getting smaller. Like, because the cash is dwindling when you're on Amazon. 
That's that cash is in Jeff Bezos' pocket. <laughs> you're, mate, let yours. me tell you, you'd be on three, th- three piles of cash if you'd have put it out on the other bloody streaming services, you idiot. Right, never but still, pure emotion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could tell. I could tell. He You're had very me, emotional he, about it all. He had me with the opening piano part of it. I immediately welled up a little bit at the yeah. end. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, oh loved magic. it. It's good to know that Spotify has got you know, a cover band version of it, so I've yeah. added that to a playlist. Yeah, my favourite, where you go, oh, great, they've got this. Oh, hang on. It's in the style of... <laughs> It's not Give actually me a The version that I got was actually pretty good. So, Garth, stick that up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is you just refusing to eat the crow all over again, isn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Garth will be eating some crow if he's not careful. Yeah, yeah. I strongly worded about the petition with about 50 days. <laughs> that, that'll lose the needle, I can tell you now. No, the problem is you'll get on the petition to, you know, to get Garth on Spotify. <laughs> And then while you're signing up, you'll see the, you know, Garth Tour Australia petition. Then, you, ooh, shit, you'll get <laughs> distracted by that. It will never have a petition. <laughs> yeah. Forget your 50 I like signatures. shiny things, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. That, do you have any other likes, Jared? Uh, no, that was that was it, I think. We right. pretty much covered everything that I was... Uh, I think it's fair to say that word of, the, word of the, the day here has been rock solid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. rock solid, for <laughs> sure. Except for Garth Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of lit. Yeah. Okay, into the dislikes. Mm-hmm. Although I like the opening sequence, and it shows that he's a, he's a good fireman and all that, yep. it's preposterous. <laughs> and <laughs> it is preposterous. It, it, it releases one of the worst-looking CGI explosions yes. I've ever seen. <laughs> it does. I mean, and it's right up his backside, no, and then it explodes, and then yeah. he's just standing there kind of... Mate, he's not creeping out of that hole. He's fucking riding that <laughs> all the way. All the way, 40 feet to the air. <laughs> that was literally up his ass. <laughs> yeah. He's burned to at least the, the the halfway up the large intestine. Yeah. The Look, I, although I found the Yahoo stuff kind of, you know, cool, Back to the Future style. Yeah. It felt a little bit unnecessary. No. Good that. Well, the good thing was it was it fit with the whole. For me, it fit with as you said. They set up the whole family and stuff. Yeah, Gordo was part of that in both timelines. And yes, I like the way that you see him is kind of an oafish sort of dad, and he's talking about his failed investments and whatever. So it was. I kind of liked sense. it from that. That perspective, it did, and they, it wasn't over the top. No, nah, it was only He didn't say here. Quick, write a list. I've got. I've got Apple. I've got <laughs> Yahoo. I've got yeah. He didn't. He didn't go through all these. We're certainly not going to Amazon though. No, no, <laughs> that word was not spoken. Yeah. I just felt like it was kind of. It fit the relationship that they had. It was kind of a bit of a bit of a gag almost yeah. with Gordo. So. I would have said, listen carefully, Garth Brooks, Spotify. <laughs> I would have said, remember um, those words. Financial planner, rocket Ismail. Get on phone cards. <laughs> Calligraphy stools. They gotta be big. In the in the the eighties, maybe. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> oh, 
fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I says, buddy, he says, buddy, uh, says, water toys. <laughs> Sound investment. <laughs> okay, um, I did not have a big quibble with it, but I kind of can see slightly how it feels a little bit TV movie-ish in terms of its scope. It has what, if it feels like big scope, but it is still fairly condensed. Yeah. And maybe that's Hoblet, his background was in TV. Yeah, it's fairly contained, like... Yeah. yeah. It's not, like... You saw bloody TV movies. You're saying this is bloody production values of Hallmark or something. <laughs> no. No, it's not that. I'm just saying that maybe that's why it didn't catch on. It feels a little bit smaller than you would expect because it's a time yeah. travel film. Everyone thinks the, time travel... Said, Big and as you said though, that's the strength of expand. it. Yeah, agreed. Because the father son thing is so so strong. Well, that's know. it. Looking looking closely at it, the key to it is the drama dramatic stuff between the father son. The the dramata. The, <laughs> the dramata. <laughs> I get it. The leaves were oh, the leaves were full of carrots. <laughs> Yeah, but there was no Calabar, mate. There were no Calabar actors, that's why Dennis Quaid was so low down the list. I still find that to be fucking ridiculous. Um, The old age makeup? She was pretty rough. (laughs) We we had ironed out the kinks in some of that. Yeah, so I actually broke it down with uh, Andre Brower and Elizabeth Mitchell. It's not great, but it's kind of, yeah, we'll, we'll cop it. But when it gets to, to the Nightingale, when, when he sits down next to Jack Shepard at the bar, yeah. oh, I was just like, oh, shit, we missed the mark here badly. <laughs> the way they kind of puffed up his cheeks. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, he, looked, he looked terrible. You see and what they- the worst thing with Elizabeth Mitchell was that she... It seemed to affect the way that she talked. Yeah, yeah. Because she, she had like, like a ventriloquist dummy or something. She, she kind of had her. like jowly bits. Yeah. And I don't know whether that was necessary. And I kept looking at Andre Brower and thinking, the clumps? <laughs> <laughs> because again, they gave him a couple of jowls. I'm sitting there thinking, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> Eat that thing, does count. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can think of. <laughs> and in fact, what they should have done with Elizabeth Mitchell is just, they didn't have to have the jowls and stuff. No. They should have had her normal type of face, just a little bit of wrinkle. Yeah. Grey Grey hair. hair. And it would have been fine. Yeah. Because it kind of forced her to overdo it a little bit with her performance. Yeah, yeah. Which, which hurt. Yeah. <laughs> she was really good in the, the 60s sequences. Yeah. Yeah. But then when she... When she was rocking when up in the nineties, <laughs> when she was in her sixties, <laughs> yeah. okay. oh no, not that. Yeah, yeah, not her fault. When the special effects person went a little bit overboard, yeah. I think we talked about it. No, no, this is a bit I didn't like about the Nightingale. It's I know it's about convenience, but it's very, very convenient that there are several Nightingale murders the week before Mum gets killed. So it works fast. So we can investigate them. <laughs> yeah, it is before mum, before mum gets knocked. And it wouldn't have really mattered. It could have been, could have been like a, you know, a month. Like they could have stressed it. I, I guess it, you know, it came under the whole. We don't know how long we're going to be talking to each other. Yeah. Um, 
they put this kind of time frame on it. But yeah, if he's working at that rate, by the time Caviezel gets to him, he didn't knocked over hundreds of people. Yeah. Like, because I think it's like 10 days, isn't it? Yeah. When he saves his dad, he's got like 10 days to save his mum. Yeah. So, and there was yeah. two murders in that stretch. Yeah, he's working fast. So, you know, you know bloody Bundy and Kane knocked over 30 or 40 in a, in a few years. Yeah. This guy's been loose for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really uh, line up. When you yeah, but it's just it's, it. it's 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 extremely convenient. They've got a couple of murders to check out yeah. before they get to mum. Yeah, but again, semantics really because it's about like you said before about the fact that certain convenient things happen, like her becoming the victim of the nightingale after the change of his him surviving. But it's part of the film. So yeah. you had to sort of buy into it. Yeah, and I you know, I was happy enough to follow along with the we're on we're on the clock here. The ten days works better than a longer period of time. Yeah. It's about ramping up the stakes. I, I actually thought perhaps instead of that they could have had the first girl. They could have had the one that, that he saves. And when he saves her, it turns into the second girl. Yeah. Like because he didn't didn't get to kill someone that night, he went back out the night after. Like it changed in the in the future. Like, so before his mum, he killed one person. But when Dennis Quaid stops that, Caviezel then says, "Obviously that file disappeared or whatever." But now it's this girl instead. Yeah. Like I felt like that might have been something or to explore. They could have just. But again, that would have cut out a little bit. They could have just had the one girl. He surveyed her. He tried to try to stop it. Didn't work. Then he's arrested. Yeah. No. See, I thought the I thought the was there any it, changes. No, that's right. The wallet. Yeah. That happens when he's, he stops the girl from getting hurt, doesn't he? No, no, no. That happens in the second one. Oh, okay. But... Uh, yeah, I actually as you can see, like, I watched this movie recently. <laughs> <laughs> I actually felt like it worked for him to stop. Oh, it worked. Because it legitimised further. You had Quaid going out that first time, and you're still thinking, is he really, like, buying this? And this is where it kind of... It's like, yeah, this is what happened. Was the girl was here? The girl was where we said she was going to be. Yeah, and, and we, so we 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 intervened and it worked. Yeah, and then it goes further into the the memories of when he mentions the name and Brower goes, "What are you talking about? You should know these." Yeah, you, yeah. So, but also, I was it okay actually with that. did then sell the fact that we can save Mum's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. just done this. We stopped it. So I was I was okay with that. I said before, yeah, the whole Nightingale murderer. There's no no real options. They telegraph straight up. But I think we we felt that was better. Mm. It made more sense. Yeah. Because um, you don't. Why muck around with that shit when you haven't got a lot of time? Well, that's what I thought. That's what I thought was the idea that that, that it wasn't necessarily the who done it aspect that was gonna. You wanted to focus on the two guys yeah. solving the case, basically. Exactly. So once they figured it out pretty early, I mean, really, it's kind of halfway through the movie when they kind of confirm that this is what's going on. They they telegraph it before that, but yeah. Well, actually, speaking of conveniences, <laughs> again, they're ones that I I can't really pick on them too much because I can't think of how how you know would have done it much differently. But the arrest, like, <laughs> you just know. The second he runs up those stairs, you're like, this is where we're going. Yeah. yeah. He's going to get arrested. And as you said, it kind of has to happen because it ties everything all up and it makes a 
it makes for a moment of uncertainty. Like, how are they going to do it when the ham radio's broken? And Yeah. So that that was kind of minor. The bigger one for me, the biggest kind of convenience thing, obviously I love the way that they were both going at the killer at the same time. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have changed that. But really, Caviezel going into the bar and going all cavalier and basically spilling to the Nightingale that we've got you... Drops a great line. Yeah. You know, you went down 30 years ago, pal. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. Good line because he's going to be walking out of there and the Nightingale's going to be going, what the fuck's he talking about? Yeah. But the fact that he's there at all is the only thing that can fuck it up for him on his end of the timeline. Yes. If Basically, he leaves him alone. If he leaves him alone, he's got the Nightingale's got no idea and can't interfere in the, the future aspect of it. He's just got to sit back, and obviously, you know, there's an emotional element to it, but he's just got to sit back and wrap this thing up. But, of course, we couldn't have that because then they wouldn't be fighting at the same time. Yeah. In the But also, the fighting at the same time has comes with an issue. Mm-hmm. In 69, the belief is that the Nightingale fights it out with Frank in mm-hmm. the water and then dies or whatever. Seemingly. Seemingly but- dies. So he stayed off the radar for 30 years? Because he's still alive in 99. He's still there. Mm. So the idea is that the boats are out there and they're looking for him, but they can't find him. Yeah. But that's not good enough for me. Well, that would have changed it. Exactly. So that would have changed Cause what that the nightingale is- that they saw, the nightingale that he saw in the bar was not going to be the same guy. No. Because in between that, Quaid had had the tussle and... Yeah. And he looks no different or there's no difference no. to him when he turns up. No. They should have done something with Even him. Even just changed his outfit or, or something. Yeah, dishevelled. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have you could have imagined that. Yeah, because that would have said he's been hiding out. Yeah. He's been living off the grid type of thing. Yep. But it doesn't make sense. No. Because not. he would have had to live off the grid for 30 years. Yes. Yeah. Correct. We would look like the Unibob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would have like the Unibob. <laughs> yeah, like they would have needed to do... Something with him when he turned up. Yeah. He needed to look different. Yeah. Um, even if that meant a slight change to his facial features or something, and he was going by another name or something mm. like that. I actually thought they were going to have, um, you know, when Quaid was pulling the things out under the water? Yeah. I thought he was going to slash him or something with it, and that was going to be... On his face. A scar his, that yeah. you saw or like a... Yeah. That probably would have worked too. Bringing that in in 99, mm. you see him with something... And you know it's him. Yeah. But he looks different. You know, he's got a nice beard or something like that, so you're not 100% sure when he first turns up. Yeah. But um, but I guess this, again, it all speaks to the strength of the, the movie is that even knowing this stuff, I didn't really care. No. It was still just the enjoyment of it was overriding all of this kind well, of exactly stuff. Exactly what you said, mate. You had to let it go. Yeah. Because you knew that they were going to duke it out in differing timelines. Yeah. That's, you knew it was going yeah. there. That's right. kind of like the whole – you can see the whole – Thing was written around. Was this a written backwards? Really <laughs> <laughs> was this one written backwards too? I think it probably was. Yeah. I think. Well, I think there would have been the bones on there, but I think the idea of you saved your dad, but now the serial killer's got your mum, and then down to you both fighting. Yeah, you both you fighting back them at the up. same time. I think that's what it was written around. Yeah, I agree. Which, uh, hey, it seemed to work okay. Ideas. They were good ideas, so I probably would have written around them too. <laughs> Yeah, true. Anything else, mate? Anything else that sticks no, out in that your was, mind? I didn't have a whole lot of dislikes. There was, there, I just couldn't pick it apart. 
I just I like it too much. Yeah. It's still Dennis Quaid's um second second best bit. The of rookie? The the trailer for the rookie. <laughs> Greatest trailer in history. I think people are gonna wonder what you're on <laughs> when they see that trailer, but it is. Look, they might wonder what I'm on until Lightning Crashes oh, kicks lightning in crashes. and then they'll oh. be in full agreement that it's the greatest trailer in history. Oh my god. Dennis Quaid pitching at a you know, at a speedometer. And he's and he's it, there's slow motion shots of him in the rain. In the rain. Magic. Lightning crashing. Of course it of course it's brilliant. That is frequency. I'm I'm like you. Nostalgia. I had this in my five at one mm. point. My top five. What about Gregory Hoblet? Top of the list? Look, he wasn't top of the list because of Director Cop Rock. The when you sent me a, a video clip of Cop Rock, <laughs> I realised, well, I'm going to have to sort of cut him back a little bit. Yeah, but there. I bet if you watch Cop Rock, he's the, 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 probably the two best episodes. I, I think he may have been involved. Let's be careful. Anyway, so let's, let's, not, let's not sort of blow any more smoke up his bum. Yeah, it would have been good if they had to intersplice this in the movie. They would have something about the Nightingale and Andre Brower singing a bit, let's be careful out there. But oh. probably the only thing that would have that would have sent it all the way to a five. <laughs> <laughs> then they could have had you know they could have had, they could have been singing the same song thirty years apart. Oh, like, magic! Yeah, old brow, young brow. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! All right, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. You can find us, Garth. That's right. That's right. You can't find Garth Brooks, but you can find us. <laughs> And I'm not paying Amazon for it, I can <laughs> tell you. That is a sad state of affairs. <laughs> yeah, what though? You cannot find the biggest selling artist in uh, my artist history. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking of it that way, but now that you've said that, <laughs> I feel we should shut this entire production down. <laughs> Yeah, what though? Now that you told me he's on Amazon Prime or Amazon Music, I'll have probably have a bloody dip in it. You, we can only hope that you might get access to some more movies on Amazon streaming as well. <laughs> okay, um, send us an email thrill me at iinet.net.au. Like us on Facebook, Thrill Me Podcast Australia, Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com, and on Instagram at thrillmepodcast.au. Keep an eye on the Facebook page for what we're covering next. Hopefully we'll have the other two lads back. Hopefully. But until then, take it easy and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.